When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Michael Barlow is part of our AFL Nation commentary team. He is uh, a great guy. He's a coach of the VFL, uh, Werribee VFL team as well. And he's with us here on the SEN Roundup. Good evening, Mick. How are you doing? Good evening, Jordan. It's a great introduction. I'm just a great guy, and I'll take that. That's uh, that's good to know. I appreciate that. And I'm uh, I'm very well, mate. It's been a busy weekend in sport, hasn't it? And I know that you have your eye across a broad range of sports. The NBL's going, the NBA, um, of course, the tennis and whatnot. And who can wrap your head around what's happening in round 13 of the AFL? Because oh. I can't. I'd like to know how your tipping's going. Oh, that's a good point, actually. So I was zero and two to start the weekend. <laughs> I actually got Adelaide right, which I'm pretty happy about. Mm. Um, likewise, likewise. Nice, well done, well done. Uh, chapeau to you. I, I'll get my, I'll get my tips up in a sec. What am I? So I'll, one, two, you're three. That, I'm, three I'm I've got. one. Well, you count the draw, don't you? So I'm two, two from, uh, two from the game so far. I got Adelaide and the draw today. Uh, I went with the Suns, and Ooh. we probably will discuss the Suns and Freo in a second. I think. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Stuart Jew alluded to the fact that his side was untrustworthy um, after a really poor performance. Um, can't recall who it was against, but then they bounced back against Hawthorne and had a really good win. And you look at them and they look like world beaters. And then they go and play an, an undermanned Fremantle side yesterday. Yes, at Optus Stadium. But if you look at the teams on paper, you think this is one. If the Gold Coast Suns are fair income, they're getting to work here. So they let me down. I've tipped them. Now I probably can't tip them again. So... I'm sorry, Fremantle fans. I've gone against our team. Um, so that won't happen again, I can assure you. So not going that well in the tipping this week, Jordan. No, no, I've got I've got three. So I'm uh, doing only slightly better. That was the uh, that was the Michael Barlow derby yesterday. Which 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 uh, foot, which foot side were you going to? Which foot did you have a camp? Or which camp did you have a foot in, rather? Well, I'd call it the derby because I'm, you know, uh, honourable. Well, West Australian. I like to consider myself West Australian. We call it the derby, um, you know, in the West. Uh, I'd go for Fremantle. I'm a Fremantle supporter, but I'm a a member of the the West Australian tipping, um, you know, so-called expert tipping. I think there's 27 people that do it, a a broad range. I think the Premier does it, Mark McGowan, some footy experts. Um, some popular people around Perth, and I'm coming 26 out of 27. So it's not going all that well for me. So my tipping is absolutely rubbish, uh, mate, as you can tell with uh, who I've tipped this weekend. So um, all is good. But, yeah, I'm a Fremantle, Fremantle supporter. Uh, but, yeah, still a soft spot, obviously, for, for the Gold Coast Suns yeah. and the players that I have a close connection with there. It has been a, has been a really wacky weekend. So, yes, last night's game, Friday night's game, the Cats winning in Adelaide. Let's talk about the game that we just saw, though, the uh, the North Melbourne Giants game. Did that game... I don't know if any game deserves to be a draw, but some do. Did that game deserve to be a draw? Well, credit to North Melbourne. I, I called the North Melbourne-Melbourne game, which was uh, in Hobart as well, and they really um, put it up to Melbourne that first half. And they played a style 
that they're, they're, they're starting to build their brand, aren't they? The way they play. They've got their players on the inside that go hard and, and win some contested ball. But when they do get the ball in motion, you know, they play a bit of a keepings-off game. And that, that game I alluded to against Melbourne uh, a while ago now, they just withdrew Melbourne of the football um, and it took Melbourne a half to get their skates on and get their hands on the ball and get to, get to work. And that was at, at Hobart. And today, again, at Hobart, did the Giants go down there thinking it was an easy kill and um, you know, take, take away their, their killer edge to, to what, what they wanted to produce? And North Melbourne play, and they have to play this way each week, like their life depends on it, because they're playing um, to improve. A lot of players are playing there for their careers and, and to establish careers. So it was a credit to, to the way North Melbourne played, but also the brand that they're starting to really expose to the competition. The way they play, they were down well and truly on uncontested possession. Um, but they, you know, threw the fo- football from from the Giants and uh, at reaped dividends, and they jumped out to a fast start. It's always going to be hard to peg peg back a four or five goal deficit, um, you know, early in the match of which Giants came and came and came. If it had gone for half a second longer, they probably win. Is there a, is there a reason why North Melbourne do you think play better at Hobart? Is there, I'm, I'm careful in saying this. I think as as AFL players. The Giants are off Broadway a lot, aren't they? The way that they play, um, you know, they, they rarely get big crowds. And this isn't a knock on, on, on who they are or, or what they produce. It's just the geography of where they play their football. But there is an element, I would imagine, of, of going down to play, you know, in, in Tasmania and um, in front of a, a limited crowd against a side you, you expect to beat. Can, you know, that killer edge and that mentality of, of the AFL player to, regardless of who you're playing, you, you've got you've got to be switched on. And a great example of that is a guy like Matt DeBoer who, who's made a career out of that but potentially you know the weight of numbers doesn't carry across um, to the rest of the group and in, in a game like that today and it was evident early you get your job done early and AFL players are AFL players for a reason and North Melbourne aren't going well this year but you know they're on AFL list they're full-time athletes and they have some pride in their performance and um, you can't lapse and, and the Giants lapsed and you know, North Melbourne played it really well so at times, I think there can be a mentality, you know, however much of it is played above the shoulders. You've got to be ready to rock and roll um, all the time when you're, when you're on an AFL football field. Which team do you think played better for the longest duration today? And it was a little bit across the whole competition, uh, sorry, across the whole round to date. There's been a lot of momentum swings in a lot of the matches. Even you go back all the way back to Thursday night, yeah. the momentum swings between Port Adelaide and um, Geelong. You know, Port Adelaide jumped out of the blocks, Connor Rose kicks four and a quarter. Um, and then Geelong just have their moments and their patches and bring it back in. Clearly, the game last night, Adelaide um, and St Kilda, was, was a game of momentum. And today was exactly the same. So it was really hard to marry up who essentially deserves to win that match. Again, you look at it and you, you called it really well. Is it a game that you think doesn't deserve to be a draw because uh, North Melbourne aren't, aren't as good? Let's, let's, be, let's be blunt. They aren't as good as the Giants. They aren't as talented right now. Um, but they played, uh, you know, a really good brand for, for a long period, and the Giants' class showed for periods. In it, Toby Green for, for patches, uh, Josh Kelly's second quarter. I think he had 15 possessions and kicks a goal, but they didn't just go. They didn't go hard enough for long enough. So it's a game that you, know, you look at and you think a draw. Yeah, it's probably the right result um, for, for the product that was put on put on display for 120 minutes. What did we learn about North Melbourne and how they've been a, obviously a low-scoring team this season because of mm. uh, you know they're, they're just a, well, the bottom of the table team. They haven't been able to mm. put a score on the board, but they did today. What did we learn about how they can uh, and, and what ways they can hit the scoreboard? 
Yeah, and it goes back to the brand they're building. I, I listened, uh, I heard Luke McDonald interviewed recently. Um, you know, he hasn't played much footy at all. He's their reigning, reigning best and fairest winner. He's played you know, half, half a game for the whole year. But he talked about the brand that they're building, and it's very predictable to their players. And at times, you know, they've had games where they've been blown out of the water. You know, the Good Friday game, they get beaten by 100 points. But he said it's all about progress, and they haven't shirked or looked at a result like that and thought, oh, we have to change or whole, um, you know, change drastically what we're doing. So they're building a brand which is which is admirable. You know, they're building a brand to get the football and use the football in composed manners, uh, build the build the ball up. They haven't. Uh, probably got a dangerous enough front half at the moment, with all due respect to guys like Cam Zerhar and, and Nathan Larkey to, to kind of do the Richmond run and gun, keep the ball in motion and put it inside forward 50 and let them get to work. So they have to be a little bit more um, careful and 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 uh, monitored about the way they build the ball up, which you, you're really starting to see. I think North Melbourne fans can look at their season at the moment. One win, one draw, have been in games for, for long periods. They've had a few blowouts. Um, but what did we really expect from North Melbourne coming into this year? it was probably um, less than what has actually been put on display. So mm. it's it's Larky, it's um, Zerha, it's Taron Thomas, who is a player that's got great talent. He's just got to be one of those ones that continues to go harder for longer. And they're exposing him now to um, you know midfield minutes. Josh Simpkins, a great player and a young player. Um, so they've got they've got a few that are, that are coming through that are very, very handy players and are going to be um, a part of that next wave of North Melbourne success. What scenarios do teams work through so we know that that teams and coaches will put in uh put in set plays and set scenarios they'll work through in late game when it's when the scores are tied or when there's a point the difference or whatever the case may be what what do those scenarios normally look like and were you able to identify them tonight in the game in this game that we saw especially from the giants point of view because they had a lot more of the footy in the last quarter yeah and they were just coming weren't they and and i'd imagine yeah each team has a call for, for this, it's you know, if you, you know, essentially, if you use a traffic light system, for, for instance, if, you, if your amber or your orange is essentially just the way you play, and that's just normal, and 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 we we let that go, no worries. And red and green in that last quarter, North Melbourne were fully into red. They were just like, how do we hold on and just survive and win the game? Whereas clearly, the Giants had the had the green ball movement going, and they were playing on and kamikaze and, and getting the ball in the corridor and um, giving themselves. Opportunities of which you train that train um, you train match like in training. You know, I remember my, our Fremantle days, the days I was at Fremantle. Our main training, you know, that that match simulation training to finish off training would largely be scenario based. So you might do two two six minute blocks, and the first six minutes is just play, and it's just what the opposition might do to you, and then it might be okay. Here's a scenario that you're down by two goals with five to play here's what we want to do at centre square bounce, here's what we want to do at kick-in. So it does slowly start to get built in. Um, and and I think a side like GWS that have had that group together for a while would be really well established in um, in those different years that they want to go through when they play the game. Whereas North Melbourne, it's probably not front of mind at the moment to actually train those train those situations because I think David Noble and his team would be looking at their list and saying, all right, we just want to really bang out the basics here and, and build a style that we want to be really good at. And all of those other little scenarios, they're probably not biting, biting off too many of them. Um, and they probably ran out of legs a little bit today, tonight as well, Jordan, in terms of the conditioning of, of, of young bodies that um, you know, are just building AFL careers. So 
Uh, it, it was an enthralling match. It's a match that you probably look at today and think, oh, I can't wait for the game tonight, but what am I going to do for the rest of the day? <laughs> There's been a couple of those this weekend. Adelaide and Fakilda was the same. So it's just a great game isn't it, to, to be involved in. And each week you don't know what's going to come and, um, yeah, the nuances that, that arrive with any different any different game. We, we sort of, we've been asking this question, it feels like every week for the last month, month and a half, but are the sides, especially after this weekend and, and the results that we've seen, are the sides in the top eight, particularly down the lower half of the top eight, are they still safe in their positions? Port Adelaide drops points on Thursday. Sydney drops points mm. on Friday. One of West Coast and Richmond, who sit seventh and eighth, will drop points, unless there's another draw. Uh, but that'll still, mm. be, that'll still be drop points, I guess. Uh, they'll drop points. One of them will drop points uh, later tonight. Freeman will get a win. The Giants, they lose. Uh, Essendon not playing this weekend, but they haven't been getting wins either. Are they, are they those Port, Sydney, are they still safe in, in their position in the top eight? Yeah. I think so. So I think you look at the top four and everyone's essentially in agreement that the top four, and right now you look at the top four in Melbourne, uh, Western Bulldogs, Geelong and Brisbane, and you think if, if a Premier is going to come out outside of that top four, they're going to have to improve or get a, get a lot more um, availability back from being West Coast um, uh, stands up and just become you know, a bit more consistent. The top four have been really consistent. Brisbane had a little patch earlier in the year where they were down on form. Um, and, you know, clearly Geelong, Bulldogs and Melbourne have been really good across the, the whole season. Port Adelaide are a similar mould, I think, to the Gold Coast discussion, but at a higher level in terms of they are putting away the teams they should, but you can't trust them at the moment when they're playing in big games against those other contenders. So where the Port Adelaide sit, I think that they play finals and probably sit in the right position in fifth. Sydney's a very interesting one. Um, you know, they're six, uh, a game ahead of West Coast and Richmond, who play tonight. Who one of which will jump. So Sydney are the vulnerable ones, I think, inside the top eight. They've won eight games. They've got a tough um, tough run of matches coming up. They've got Port Adelaide next week. Um, they've got a tough month ahead, which will really shape their season. Outside of the eight, the Giants let one flip today, didn't they, in, in terms of, mm. of what um, what was on offer and what was the opportunity. Essendon are a bit of the unknown. Fremantle are, have been a bit of a smoker. They're, they're a side... I clearly have a, have a, have a very uh, close affinity to. But you look at them and, and they're ninth and they've just been obliterated by injuries. So you'd really do feel for Justin Long, Longmuir and, and his side in terms of a bit of consistency with personnel would be nice to give them an opportunity. That's probably where I thought they would be, somewhere towards, um, you know, I optimistically thought they might jump into the eighth, seventh or eighth, but anywhere between seventh and twelfth. So, Inside the top eight at the moment, I'm seeing Sydney as the vulnerable ones, um, okay. of which then who comes in? You know, the Giants at their best come in. Um, Essendon, if they can continue to build, they're the most one of the most exciting teams in the comp. So um, that's my take on that. And St Kilda is probably the disappointment of the season, along with Carlton. Yeah, let's talk about St Kilda and last night's game. Um, well, Adelaide first. Let's start off on the positive. They got the win. They scored. The last seven goals in a row in the match, uh, St Kilda didn't score a goal for the last hour or so in, in the game. Mm. What did Adelaide, apart from actually scoring the goals, but from general play, what did they actually do right in that match last night, the Crows? It's a bit of a Ross line, isn't Jordan? But I, I think they just got to work. It's, it's, um, I'll always remember uh, the game down years and years ago, 2013, Freo went and played Geelong at, uh, in the qualifying final at GMHBA Stadium, his name now. And quarter time, it was, we were just didn't fire a shot in the first quarter and everyone was kind of looking around for answers. And, and Ross just kind of puts up 
you know, what's happening. And it was just contest the ball and being clean with the ball and the basics of the game. And I think, you know, Adelaide gave, uh, uh, sorry, Secure gave Adelaide a real touch-up in, in that really early. And then for, from that point on, it was just take the science works out of the contest and out of stoppage and just get to work. And you see the year Ben Keyes is having. And you know, Ben Keyes is a great story. A, a guy that without that lifeline given to Adelaide, uh, by Adelaide, could be out of the system. But he's playing tremendous football and he's just a pure footballer. So Adelaide have got a lot of pure footballers. Young Schoenberg's a pure footballer. Um, you know, Rory Sloan's a pure footballer. Riley O'Brien is the, is the ruckman. He's an underrated pure footballer. And I think they've just got to work. Whereas St Kilda, you know, they're flighty at, at the moment. They're really flighty in, in the way they um, and they approach week to week. Uh, we've seen them get, get blown out of the water by 100 points against a real contender. Um, and then in games that they should win, have real control of the match, they, they can't hold a lead. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of a scratch, scratch of the melon for Brett Ratton and his boys. But in terms of Adelaide, I think, that's another team that you look at and, and take real optimism around. They're building a fairly, a really good, honest brand. Yeah. Um, yes, they're not going to, to jump up and, and play finals, but I think Adelaide supporters can go go to the game on the weekend and watch their side play or turn it on on TV and think, this is what we're going to get. And Ben Keyes is going to make some mistakes with the ball, but he has a crack. And it, you know, the, the longer the game goes, he's just never going to um, wave that white flag, of which is a little bit apparent around um, the competition at the moment with... with um, so I just, you know, putting it in a too hard basket at times. Yeah, I think if you're an Adelaide fan, you're you're out of the teams outside of the eight right now. That's probably the group, maybe them and Essendon, who are feeling the most optimistic about their future. Uh, I mean, that they, mm. they they started at the end of last year by bringing in all of those all of those young kids. The 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 the, the upper end, I guess, the the more elite players that are still in that Adelaide squad are still of a decent age. Tex is getting on a little bit, but he's obviously playing good football this year. Rory Sloan is not going to retire anytime soon. Their back half, you know, Daniel Talia, even though he's been injured and out, he's still a good player and a good leader around the club. So they're not, it's not the, I guess the gap between the established group at the Crows and the new players coming through the age difference isn't that extreme. So there's still enough good form, I guess, from those sorts of players mm. and, and those players in their peak, like Ben Keys, as you say, and the young guys coming through that it's, um, it's a bit of a smoother transition. They need a bit of polish, don't they? I think at the end of the year, they can really look to to target some, some players on the outside that, that bring really good ball use, um, take a little bit of the pressure off Brody Smith with ball in hand. Uh, Rory Led spending more time through the midfield. So a, a little bit of polish off half-back, um, of which they've got a couple on their list at the moment that are young players just kind of finding their way. Lachlan Stoll, I think, got dropped this week, but he's a really nice, nice mover and ball user. But I'd, I'd imagine looking at their list and, and not making... Um, or, probably making a couple of assumptions um, without the full knowledge of it, but they should have a little bit of space to, to approach. Um, you know, someone that can come in and pay a fair bit of money over a long period and, um, and use the ball really well on the outside of the contest. Riley Philthorpe has been so fun to watch this season. Did it feel like whenever, did it feel like whatever was happening inside 50 in the game last night, it, it, did it feel mm. like it was going to revolve around wherever Riley Philthorpe was? Yeah, absolutely. He, 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 and we do forget, and I think I was calling one night with you and we were discussing you know, the pressure that comes with being the number one draft pick. We speak so much about Jamara Hagen, who probably won't play footy this year in, in an AFL sense, which mm-hmm. you know, it is fine. But, but there is this fascination around the number one draft pick. Riley Tilthorpe kind of went under the, under the radar in terms of not being talked about at all. 
due to being that number two pick, and, and he took a while to debut, debuted really well. Um, they've found one there, haven't they? They've signed up Darcy Fogarty as well for another two years, of which um, I suppose is a little bit of a luxury, because if you look at their best side going into next year, with Tilthorpe having a, a nice year put together, um, you know, Taylor Walker probably goes again, so that means Darcy Fogarty still has to you know, bump and grind and really earn his stripes at that footy club, so it's a long way in answering your question to say that Tilbop's the number one man, isn't he, now? And um, it's exciting uh, for, for the Crows, Crows fans. They, they've, they've been envious for, for a number of years, I think, um, of the score, the avenues to goal across town at, at Port Adelaide. Um, you know, a lot has revolved around uh, Tex Walker at the Crows for a long time. So Tilbop comes in, and last night it might have just been the emergence of him at Kazali Stadium in a to come from behind, win with a, with a big Zico kick to, to put the uh, exclamation mark on it. <laughs> uh, last one before we take a break. On St Kilda, we've got to chat about them. Are they, are the Saints one of, if not the most, to sound harsh, are they the most mentally weak side in the competition? Oh, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. <laughs> it's a tough, it is, it is a tremendous, uh, it's a tremendously tough game, um, AFL footy. But, but from what, what we've seen, that they have probably got an, a portion of players. They've got a portion of players that when it's all going well, they look like uh, millionaires and world beaters and they can't be stopped. And then you're right, once that weight of numbers flicks, I use the word weight of numbers a lot. It's a little bit of a rough line, isn't In terms of you go out and play a game of AFL football, 22 of you have to walk out. And essentially, more often than not, if you walk off with 14 or 15 or 16 that have won their position and played their role, um, you're going to get a result. And at the moment, I think too much is being left to too few consistently at St Kilda. Jack Steele is one that you just you can put a big kick next to every time you, you look at whoever he's uh, matched up against and know that he's at least going to, to break even in that contest. Um, you know, Brad Crouch is starting to build some form, but he, he's been patchy. And when it hasn't been going uh, St Kilda's way, it's, it's, you know, he's fallen out of, out of games and Yes, they've got some class on the outside and some really highly spruit talent. And these guys are the guys that are in the, the, the meat, I suppose, meat on the bone of their careers. You talk about, um, I suppose, your Jack Higgins, your Billingses, your Bradley Hills, um, Dan Butler, all of which, again, I'm not um, answering directly about you know, the mental fragility of them, but what I am, am saying is these guys um, have been around long enough to understand that there's a, a fair bit of responsibility that comes comes with being an AFL player consistently um, within good teams and, and they're just not showing that at the moment. All right. If you're happy to hang around, we'll whip through the rest of the games from the round and we'll preview tonight's games coming up and tomorrow if you want. Absolutely, Jordan. Right. I'm not going anywhere in, uh, in, a, in a cold, but uh, oh, it's been a nice day actually in Victoria. We are somewhat out of lockdown, but I'm um, looking forward to the game tonight very much. So. All right. Excellent. We'll do that next year on the SEN Roundup. Uh, Jordan Canellis with you. Michael Barlow on the phone with us part of our AFL Nation commentary team, uh, coach of the Werribee VFL side as well. We'll do that next year on SEN this Sunday night. Michael Barlow is with us here on this Sunday night on SEN, talking our way through the round of football. Uh, Mick, let's go back to yesterday's game. We spoke about it briefly earlier, but uh, your both of your old teams, Fremantle and the Gold Coast Suns, how much, how, how well do you know Alex Pierce? Very well, yes. No, very well. He's a very, very good man that's uh, held in very high regard. He's had a bit of a rough run, Alex, and every time he gets out there, he seems to, to do himself a mischief. So touch wood, of which I'm doing right now, I can assure you, um, he can get a good run at it because he's, um, he's a tremendous player. He, and he, he knows his role, he sticks to his role, and 
um, gets it done. So as we saw like yesterday, keeping mm. Ben King goalless, of which he hasn't been kept goalless all year. How significant is that? Do you think he's he's? I mean, he's a key defender, so key defenders just naturally don't get huge raps compared to big scoring forwards and and high possession midfielders. But he did a job, as you said, on Ben King yesterday. He he was an active uh, contributor to the side. He was a part of the you know part of the cog. I guess it was a reason why um, Fremantle won the match yesterday. How significant will his as an individual performance be uh, be this round in in AFL? Yeah, he's he's a player that I'm trying to think back as to when he debuted. He, he's a player under Ross Lyon, and a, a lot of the a lot of the time under Ross Lyon, it, it would take two or three years, you know, and really good chunks of footy at the lower level for to get opportunity. Where Alex Pierce was one that probably halfway through his first season came in and became became a regular player before some injury struck him down. So that says a fair bit about him, and he was always undersized and had to do a lot of work to get his body to an AFL. Um, level, and he's just a, just a competitor, and exactly what Fremantle have missed for, for long periods of this year. They've had uh, no Hamling, no Pierce. Griffin Logue went went down last week. He's he's had some injury concerns as well across the year. So Luke Ryan's had to had to bat above, you know, what he actually stands at. I think 191, and for Alex Pierce to come back in, and you look at that that front half for, for the Suns yesterday. Yes, they had some really good players at ground level that you had to take care of in terms of ranking and. Um, and Roses and a couple of others that have been in some pretty good form, but Ben King was going to be the match winner. And at the end of the day, Alex Pierce gets gets the job done. And the kudos will never go towards him. You look at, you watch a player tonight, Tom Brass, who's fairly similar. Tom Brass, I reckon's only mid-20s, um, mm-hmm. but just gets the job done. He, he goes out and, and saddles up against the, the best forward most weeks for the opposition. Tonight will be an interesting one. He'll have a, have a fair few to choose from, and, and they get the job done. So... They don't mind it. They they complain behind closed doors. I can show you that, Jordan. Key backs around not getting enough attention. Uh, but I think Alex Pierce will, will uh, be happy with the win and be happy to be, be out there playing footy um, rather than any, any external accolades. With the season that they've had so far, Fremantle, and knowing that there's a pretty tough run home uh, coming up later in the season when they play, I think, five weeks in a row, they play sides in the top six on the ladder or, or roughly around that mark. <coughs> Um, but to this point of the season, they're six and seven right now on the ladder. I don't think many people would have had them pegged for being ninth on the ladder halfway through the season and one game out of the top eight. After yesterday's performance, especially knowing how many injuries that they've had, no Nat Fife, how pleased should Fremantle fans be right now? Well, they can they they can be uh, probably like most fans, I suppose, fairly patriotic or or fairly parochial around their side. There has been reasons for that this year. There's been some real horror shows for, for Fremantle fans this year. There was a game against Port Adelaide. They started really slowly on the road. Their away form is, is an issue. So that's something they've got to start to, to really look into and, and start to, to equalise, which will happen with playing a fair bit of footy together. Those, uh, so Freo along with North Melbourne have had the, the sides, uh, so in terms of got most games missed, um, players injured, players injured with the most AFL experience. Freo and North Melbourne are po- uh, poles ahead of any other side so you've got to take the optimism around that and that's a really positive sign they've been able to, to hang in there and they sit ninth if they can get the cavalry back of which the Nat Five situation will be a very close monitor and an interesting watch but at the same time Nat Five's a brilliant player he he, he isn't the most important docker from my important uh, my point of view to have out there each day because they've got a really good core group coming around um, in the midfield, of which Sarong is there, Brayshaw and whatnot. So they should be 
really bullish Fremantle fans around what, what's to come beyond the Nat Five era, even with, with, with what they're saying to build. Adam Chera, does he stay? Does he go? Uh, it's it's a it's a fascinating watch. It'd be nice to have him. I I, I tend to think that Fremantle are going to hold pretty firm and and not not balk at the estimated numbers that are being thrown or the predicted numbers being thrown around because you, you, you pay that type of money. What happens with you know the Sean Darcy contract in, in a couple of years and um, and and the Caleb Sarongs and Andy Brayshaws who, who they'll have to want to keep long term. So, in terms of what we're seeing from Fremantle, the glass half full approach and the optimistic side of things is, I think, really really positive with, with what they're getting out of the, the players coming through, um, and the, the fact they've been able to hang in there in a season um, that the injury injury uh, toll um, has taken a real hit on them. Going back to Friday night, great win for the Hawks, 38 points. Uh, it is the uh, biggest margin of the weekend so far. So they did that pretty emphatically, 4589 to 7951. Uh, the debut of John Newcomb was fantastic. But for Sydney, their form at the SCG hasn't been that convincing. They haven't really won many games there emphatically this season, and, and they've dropped a couple, as was evident on Friday. Do you, is there a reason why? Do you, do, you, do you feel that there's a bit of insecurity maybe for Sydney at the SCG? It's, it doesn't really stick with the, the history of their, their football club, does it? Go, going to play Sydney at Sydney with players, and I'm, I'm showing my age a little bit here, but the, you know, the Jude Boltons and um, the Brett Kirks and those type of players when you used to play Sydney at Sydney, Josh Kennedy's still there and has been there a long time. Luke Parker's similar. They play the way that really suits the SCG. I'm starting to think that a lot of their players are more outside and, and would like you know the, the more widely spread fields like MCGs and um, and Optus stadiums and the like to actually use the ball on the outside a little bit. They have changed the way they've played um, Sydney and they, they've been open around that. The fact that they use the ball on the outside a lot more and they like to to play an uncontested game more so than a, than a contested game. So maybe the SCG is holding those concerns for them. That particular game on Friday night. Again, you look at that, and it's a mindset thing. You, you come, you come to to play an AFL game, and you look at if you, you're driving to the game, and you get out of the car, and you have a look at the ladder. Walk in, I was playing Hawthorne tonight, and they're seventeenth on the ladder, and they're under under pressure. They didn't fire a shot last week. That mindset is poisonous, and they were exposed. Uh, the first quarter, Hawthorne came to play. The John Newcomb story is a great one, Jordan. On that, um, going a little bit off kilter here, but. The mid-season draft, that's exactly what I think it was there for. Hawthorne are down the bottom. They're not going to play finals. But they pick up a kid, not even a kid, a guy that's played genuine second-tier footy. He doesn't have many tricks, John Newcomb. And I say that with, with all, all due respect to John Newcomb. And I love the fact that he got drafted because that's what they should be targeting in these mid-season drafts, guys that can play the game of football. Uh, spoke a couple of weeks ago with Sam, Sam Hargraves on a Thursday night leading into a round... Um, the Thursday night after mid-season draft, we had a guy like Matt, Matt Hanson who plays uh, VFL footy for Werribee who can just play footy. And I guarantee you he could rock up tonight and play for West Coast. You know, let's use West Coast as an example that need inside midfielders. He could go out there and play good AFL football and contribute. Might not be the best on ground, but go out there and play. And John Newcomb just showed that. And what he did, yeah, he didn't get a whole lot of the footy, but he just tackled and um, contributed to the game and made a huge impact on the game that way. Do you remember him from uh, when you played box when you coached against Box Hill earlier in the season? Yeah, certainly, certainly. He he, he had a fair bit of the footy. I think he had mid twenties and um, you know was really physical at the contest and and really clean. I love that about um, what the VFL exposes exposes to 
players too is that you have to have that ability to be clean. You get all all sorts of conditions, wet, windy. Um, the grounds, um, you know, often have a cricket wicket in the middle, as, as Box Hill does, as wherever he does. And that day, the rain came, and you could tell that number 72 uh, for Box Hill knew how to play the football game, and, and he was very clean with ball in hand. And, um, yeah, fairly, fairly uh, ungainly in the way he kind of goes about stuff in terms of, again, saying that with all due respect, he doesn't look like he's going to rip you apart or, or whatever, but his, his numbers just kept adding up and his, his impact on the game, um, you know, was very, very consistent. And it actually, you know, it warms my heart to know that a guy like him gets an opportunity um, due to the fact of, of just being a genuine footballer at a, at a state, state league level. How big of a statement was uh, Thursday night for Geelong? It's a fair while ago now, isn't it, Jordan? Oh, no, one more game to go tomorrow before we get to it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was big. It was big. I, I've been in the camp for a while. I reckon since 2019, since I um, finished up actually playing in the AFL and have made the transition um, in, into, the, into the media landscape is, I looked at Geelong and I thought, they're going to drop off soon. And maybe it was going to be 2019, it, it, it wasn't. And then you think, well, maybe it's, it has to be next year because they're all getting too old. And, um, you know, what's coming through? They don't expose a huge amount of, of young talent consistently. We've seen Britton Markle gets dropped and Jordan Clark doesn't get much of a game. And that, that has people, you know, behind closed doors uh, uh, externally saying or questioning what they're doing, but they're just going brilliantly. Uh, and looking at how they played as well, but they, they played brilliantly as a collective, but there's probably five or six players there that are sweating on selection this week with pretty poor, poor games. And what they have to come in is guys that are they're in form, Quinton Narkle, Jordan Clark. Uh, Josh Jenkins kicks bags of goals week in, week out at VFL level. So they're up and about. And in terms of the statement game against Port Adelaide at home, prime time, um, the way they had to go into a game, they had to sit in the cricket nets all, all day, that's pretty big. And I think that's a side that's sitting there uh, stewing and steaming a fair bit on what happened in that last game uh, of the 2020 season where they let a good lead at halftime slip. I am stunned continuously that Quinton Narkle can't get a, a, a consistent look in. But then you look at the Geelong best 22 and you think, well, who does he actually come in for? Uh, you know, and Dangerfield made his return the other night. There's other players who aren't playing at the moment. Grime Myers is out injured, so he's got to come back in. You look at that and you go, well, when, when, where does he actually fit? Um, the uh, the match coming up tonight in about, uh, what is it, five or so minutes away. Uh, how does this one play out? Can Richmond win over in the West against the Eagles? And I'll get to that in a sec. I'll tell you where he fits. He fits in the midfield for the Fremantle Dockers, hopefully next year. But that's uh, <laughs> the story for another day. Jordan Clark's another one I'd like to pinch out of the hoops and, and send across an ball. But um, <laughs> speaking relatively parochially there. Tonight, this is, for mine, the game I've been looking forward to more so than any um, across the round. Uh, Richmond are just intoxicating to watch. Some, regardless of who they play, that game last week, it was a big build-up, the Dreamtime um, at Optus Stadium game. And again, you talk about swings and roundabouts and, or, or momentum shifts in games. Richmond can. You, you can't look away at times because they might be playing deplorably for 45 minutes and then just flick a switch and it just goes. You can tell when you watch them that they have that confidence in themselves that they, when, it, when it's going against them, against them and they might be down by three or four goals, they just hang in there. They've got processes. They'll come together. They keep their heads up. They look after each other. They pick each other up off the ground. 
it's an enviable enviable environment that they've built. You'd imagine they'd get the job done tonight against West Coast, who, you know, despite a really good win last week, it probably says more about where Carlton are at than, than where West Coast are at. And a lot of unavailabilities for West Coast as well. I think the depth of West Coast just continues just to um, expose them uh, when when it actually does come up against really high-end talent like Richmond have. So I think Richmond win tonight up the stadium after three weeks on the road is a concern. Um, with yeah. West Coast that, that clearly play better and play really good football at Optus Stadium. I think they'll have a really good plan for, for the guy that won the game for West Coast last week in in um, Liam Ryan. And if you watch Liam Ryan at his best, can if he has a, another bottler, maybe West Coast get the job done. But I think if they take care of him, um, you know, the, the Richmond side of things looks... Uh, Looks uh, a pretty good bet tonight. And finally, tomorrow, the uh, the Queen's birthday game, the big freeze at the SCG slash MCG, the sliders at the MCG. The game is up in Sydney, Melbourne and Collingwood. Melbourne, we know, especially after their uh, their recent wins, you'd stamp them as the best side in the competition, having knocked off the, uh, the Dogs and the Brisbane Lions in the last two weeks. I guess this game is more going to revolve around, um, aside from the off-field stuff with Neil Danaher and the great work that Fight MND is doing, but as far as footy goes, Nathan Buckley, it's his last game tomorrow mm. for, for Collingwood. What do you reckon Collingwood can produce in Bucks' last game as coach? Well, they showed a bit. Um, they've showed a bit, a bit, haven't they, in the last few weeks? Uh, some of it not overly aesthetic. <laughs> the game against Geelong, they, got, they get within 10 points of Geelong who we just finished spruiking. That was one of the worst games you'll ever watch and uh, bear witness to. And Geelong, I think, were essentially in a bit of a bit of a haze that day with what was going on with COVID and the shutdown. And, and Collingwood, um, yeah, just nearly put us all to sleep. But they, they've, and then the week after, they play really well and um, adjust some little aspects of their game to 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 produce what they've produced. And unfortunately, it's too little, too late for. Nathan Buckley, but he's ripped the band-aid off and he's going to move on with it, of which I would imagine the band-aid comes off for Collingwood tomorrow in terms of how they want to use the ball. You know, Nathan Buckley's going to look at Melbourne and look at that as, this is a free hit. This is obviously my last game coaching the club he's been involved with for a long time. And Melbourne's set up really, really well defensively. So if Collingwood go back to the old Collingwood and just try and chip, chip, chip through, then Melbourne will just have a field day. They'll waste no energy on defence, get the ball back, turn over it and, and give it into the front six, which are very dangerous. So mm. I'd imagine that the, the brief for the Collingwood Football Club tomorrow is let's keep the ball moving, let's handball receive, let's run and gun, um, let's disrupt their defence, let's kick the ball in dirty um, to give themselves a, a best possible chance. And, and then it just comes down to, I think, Nathan Buckley's method or, or uh, message, I, I suppose, to his group would be, let's just bring effort. Um, if you bring effort, that's that's great. I understand Nathan Buckley won't want to make it about himself, but I guarantee you Scott Pendle will be still sidelined and will be imploring their players. Bring effort. Honour honor what Nathan Buckley's done for that club. Through your effort, you're going to make mistakes. We should walk off this field um, exhausted, and then the win-loss will take care of itself. Michael, a pleasure talking to you this uh, this Sunday night, recapping what's happened in footy so far and uh, and your tips coming up for uh, tonight and tomorrow. There's a couple of minutes before the opening bounce, so I'll let you get back to the footy and um, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, the next day that you and I sit in the commentary box together. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Uh, and yourself, Jordan. Very good. Always good to talk to you and work with you. So we'll be in touch very, very soon. We will. Michael Barlow with us here on the SEN Roundup, one of our AFL Nation experts. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.